listening to KBOO Portland. Tune in to KBOO on Saturday, May 2nd from 7 to 10 p.m. for KBOO's Stay Home and Dance Party, where we can celebrate our community while maintaining the social distancing necessary to keep our community safe and healthy. Again, that's the KBOO Stay at Home and Dance Party on Saturday, May 2nd from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. here on your community radio station, KBOO Portland. Hi, I'm Brian DeShazer, Director of the Pacifica Radio Archives, and welcome to From the Vault, our weekly series that takes the history out of the vault and back on the radio. This week, we celebrate the life and legacy of Nelson Mandela in his own voice, not in 30-second sound bites, but in longer excerpts that let his visionary thoughts and ideas ring through. The mainstream media will air brief film footage in five-second sound bites with talking head voiceovers analyzing his importance and impact. Rather than taking time with biographical information and analyzing him, we want you to experience his impact. For biographical information, please visit Nelson Mandela Center of Memory at nelsonmandela.org. Let it be said that this was the man who lifted South Africa into the light of peace. And on this edition, we present Nelson Mandela from three landmark speeches after his prison release in 1990, after serving 27 years of a life sentence. Pacifica Radio recorded Mandela and broadcast his speeches when other networks did not in the 1990s. You will hear Nelson Mandela address the United Nations June 22, 1990, Nelson Mandela at the Oakland Coliseum June 30, 1990, and in the third segment, Nelson Mandela's inauguration address as the first black president of South Africa on May 10, 1994. Here is Nelson Mandela before he was president of South Africa, but after his prison release, addressing the United Nations, June 22, 1990. Your Excellency, Ambassador Ibrahim Kambari, Permanent Representative of the Federal Republic of Nigeria and Chairman of the Special Committee Against Apartheid. Your Excellency, President of the General Assembly, Ambassador Joe Gobo. Your Excellency, Mr. Perez de Quella, Secretary General of the United Nations Organizations, Your Excellencies, Permanent Representatives, Heads of the Observer Missions, Ladies and Gentlemen, Friends and Comrades, we feel especially honored and privileged to have the possibility today to stand at this particular place, to speak to all of you who represent the peoples of the world. We are most grateful to you, Mr. Chairman, the Special Committee Against Apartheid, the Secretary General 
and all the member states of the organization for making it possible for us to be here. The tragedy is that what has created the need for this gathering and made it seem natural that we must gather in this historic meeting place is the fact of the continuing commission of a crime against humanity. How much better it would be, it would have been, if we were meeting to celebrate a victory in hand, a dream fulfilled, the triumph of justice over a tyrannical past, the realization of the vision enshrined in the United Nations Charter and the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. It will forever remain an indelible blight on human history that the apartheid crime ever occurred. Future generations will surely ask what error was made that this system established itself in the wake of the adoption of a universal declaration of human rights. It will forever remain an accusation and a challenge to all men and women of conscience that it took as long as it has before all of us stood up to say, enough is enough. <laughs> Future generations will surely inquire what error was made that this system established itself in the aftermath of the trials at Nuremberg. These questions will arise because when this august body, the United Nations, first discussed the South African question in 1946, it was discussing the issue of racism. They will be posed because the spur to the establishment of this organization was the determination of all humanity never again to permit a racist theory and practice to dragoon the world into the deathly clutches of war and genocide. And yet, for all that, a racist tyranny established itself in our country. As they knew would happen, who refused to treat this matter as a quaint historical aberration. This tyranny has claimed its own conclave of victims. It has established its own brutal worth by the number of children it has killed, and the orphans, the widows, and widowers it can claim as its unique creation and still it lives on, provoking strange 
and monstrous debates about the means that its victims are obliged to use to rid themselves of this intolerable scourge, eliciting arguments from those who choose not to act that to do nothing must be accepted as the very essence of civilized opposition to tyranny. We hold it as an inviolable principle that racism must be opposed by all the means that humanity has at its disposal. Wherever it occurs, it has the potential to result in a systematic and comprehensive denial of human rights to those who are discriminated against. This is because all racism is inherently a challenge to human rights, because it denies the view that every human being is a person of equal worth with any other, because it treats entire peoples as subhuman. This is why it was corrected to characterize the apartheid system as a crime against humanity and appropriate that the international community should decide that it should be suppressed and punishment meted out against its perpetrators. We pay tribute to this organization and its member states for this and other decisions and actions it took to expunge this crime. Mr. Chairman, we also take this opportunity to salute the Special Committee Against Apartheid, which has been and is a very important instrument in our struggle against the iniquitous and oppressive policies of the South African government. We salute also the states that make up its membership who have been unrelenting in their resolve to contribute everything they could to ensure that the world was mobilized to act against the apartheid system. In this connection also, sir, allow us to express a well-deserved tribute to your country, Nigeria, which you so able represent, as did your predecessor in this important office, His Excellency, Major General Joseph Gerber, current President of the General Assembly, and under whose leadership the United Nations Declaration on South Africa was adopted by consensus at the 16th Special Session of the General Assembly last December. That declaration will go down in history as one of the most important documents in the struggle of the international community against apartheid. The fact that it was adopted by consensus was itself a telling blow against the apartheid system and a vital statement 
underlying the unity of the world community on the South African question and its resolution. We look forward to the report that the distinguished Secretary General of the United Nations will submit dealing with the question of the implementation of the declaration in South Africa. This report will also be important to the extent that it will provide a basis for further decisions by the United Nations regarding future action on the question of apartheid. What must, however, be clear is that the apartheid system remains in place. None of the principles laid down in the Declaration has been implemented to provide what the Declaration characterized as an internationally acceptable solution of the South African question. Similarly, the profound and irreversible changes which the Declaration visualized have not yet occurred. The conclusion from these observations would seem clear to us. It is that nothing which has happened in South Africa calls for a revision of the positions that this organization has taken in its struggle against apartheid. We therefore strongly urge that there should be no relaxation of existing measures. The sanctions that have been imposed by the United Nations and by individual governments should remain in place. We also urge that the United Nations should do everything in its power to maintain the unity it achieved when it adopted the Declaration on South Africa last December. We therefore hope that all member states will continue to act in concert so as not to create any situation in which those who are opposed to change in our country find encouragement to resist change. Because some countries would have destroyed the consensus that has been achieved. In this regard, we take this opportunity once more to call on the countries of the European Community, which are holding a summit meeting in a few days' time, themselves to remain faithful to the purposes of the Declaration, to whose elaboration they were party and for which they voted. At the initiative of the ANC, the process has been begun which could lead to a just political settlement in our country. At our well-known meeting in Cape Town at the beginning of last month, we agreed with the South African government on the removal of the obstacles to negotiations, which are identified in the declaration. The process of implementing that agreement has started. But as this distinguished gathering knows, a lot still remains to be done 
before we can say that a climate conducive to negotiations has been created. We therefore still have some distance to travel before we undertake the further steps outlined in the declaration, leading to negotiations for the adoption of a new democratic constitution. The fact that a good beginning was made in Cape Town should not lead us to conclude that further progress is assured or that we will not have to confer to confront major obstacles in future. In this regard, we would like to reiterate what we have said before, that we believe that President de Klerk and his colleagues in the leadership of the ruling party are people of integrity. We are of the view that they will abide by decisions that are arrived at in the course of our discussions and negotiations. This in itself is an important victory of our common struggle because it is that struggle which has made the cost of maintaining the apartheid system too high and helped to convince the ruling group in our country that changes can no longer be resisted. It is, however, also true that there are many amongst our white compatriots who are still committed to the maintenance of the evil system of white minority domination. Some are opposed because of their ideological adherence to racism. Others are resisting because they fear democratic majority rule. Some of these are armed and are to be found within the army and the police. Outside of these state agencies, other whites are working at a feverish race to establish paramilitary groups whose stated aim is the physical liquidation of the ANC. Its leadership and membership, as well as other persons or formations, which these right-wing terrorists see as a threat to the continued existence of the system of white minority domination. We cannot not afford to underestimate the threat that these defenders of a brutal and continuing reality pose to the whole process of working towards a just political settlement. The ANC is determined to do everything in its power to ensure speedy movement forward towards the peaceful abolition of the apartheid system. To this end, we are engaged in many initiatives within South Africa aimed at bringing into the process of negotiation all the people and representative political formations of our country. We have to overcome the mistrust that exists on both sides and reinforce the understanding that the only victory 
we should all seek is the victory of the people as a whole and not the victory of one party over another. It is obvious that none of these processes can be easy. We are, however, inspired by the experience of the people of Namibia and our comrades in arms of SAPU, who also overcame the divisions and the mistrust generated by the apartheid system, carried out a peaceful political process within a relatively short period of time, and are today a proud nation of independent people. The distance we still have to travel is not long. Let us travel it together. Let us, by our joint actions, vindicate the purposes for which this organization was established and create the situation where its charter and the Universal Declaration on Human Rights will become part of the body of law on which will be based the political and social order of a new South Africa. Our common victory is assured. Thank you. That was Nelson Mandela addressing the United Nations June 22nd, 1990. You are listening to From the Vault as we celebrate the life and legacy of Nelson Mandela in his own voice. For more information, please call us at 1-800-735-0230 for full copies of the entire unedited speeches you're hearing today. 
You can also visit us online at fromthevaultradio.org. You can also search our entire collection at pacificaradioarchives.org. We move on to Nelson Mandela in Oakland, California at the Oakland Coliseum, June 30th, 1990, recorded by KPFA. Comrades and friends, on my release from jail, Last February the 11th, we walked out of the prison gates to a tumultuous and joyous welcome. Our people, in their multitudes, had come from all corners of South Africa to receive us back into a world of struggle. The heaven rang with their chance of joy. Ten days ago, my delegation, my wife and I, Stepped, stepped on the soil of this United States. Once more, we were received with overwhelming attributes of friendship and solidarity. This experience has been repeated in every city we have visited. We have witnessed support for the fight against apartheid and for human liberty and peace in South Africa. It is clear beyond any reasonable doubt that the unbending of our organization came as a result of the pressures exerted upon the apartheid regime by yourselves. By yourselves, <clears throat> as part of the international community, <clears throat> and by the determined action of our struggling people, you have inspired us beyond imagination. On behalf of the African National Congress and its entire membership, we thank you 
for your solidarity. It is a great honor for us because, in fact, it is a tribute to the fighting spirit of our people. We say it is a tribute to the fighting spirit of our people who are also your people. We know that this rally was made possible by the unity in action of all sectors of this community. Today in South Africa, the same spirit has begun to break down the walls of apartheid. There are many obstacles ahead of us, both overt and covert. Many apartheid laws are still on the statute book. The freedom to conduct a political organization is still threatened by the state and right-wing vigilantes. Our schools are still segregated and inferior. Medical services are inadequate. Unemployment is high. Housing is scarce. And the masses of our people are still without land. It is our responsibility as the National Liberation Movement to take action for change. Our movement is now expected after three decades of 